You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia. Welcome to The Main Course. I'm Barbara Castiglia of Modern Restaurant Management. Today we're going to talk about breakfast, one of my favorite uh, topics. And with me today is Paul Macaluso, who's president and CEO of Broken Egg Cafe. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Barbara. Tell me what your background is and what attracted you to want to have a career in the hospitality industry. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. It wasn't really uh, planned. It just evolved over time. I'd I'd spent... uh, time in high school and college in the retail business and the grocery business, worked for a company called Publix out of uh, Florida. Uh, Now, I guess all over the Southeast, it was a great foundation to my, you know, working career and uh, really spent a lot of time in training people and developing them high quality and customer service. So it was a great foundation. After I got out of college, I was recruited to go to work for PepsiCo, which at the time owned uh, the restaurants that are now Yum! Brands. And um, so I got my start in there. It was more of an opportunity to, to get into general business. I thought it was an opportunity to work for PepsiCo and, and work across all these different you know, business platforms that they own. Started in the restaurant division, absolutely fell in love with it, and never left. So um, I've been in the restaurant business now for almost 30 years. Uh, my first 10 years were at Taco Bell and an absolutely wonderful start uh, to my career because of how much they invested in people and developing them and uh, had a great infrastructure and systems in place. So just uh, kind of got the got the bug uh, in terms of restaurants early on and, and that never left. And now how long have you been with uh, another Broken Egg? So I joined the company about four months before the pandemic started. So November of 19. So now a year and a half. What an interesting time to join a company. Yeah. Yes, it was certainly uh, a challenge. Well, I'm sure we'll get to that. But uh, we've... Uh, it's 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 been a real blessing to come through it and and to uh, be on the other side and and to really um, have a great team uh, that I work with that uh, we're really looking forward to the future of this brand. So tell me a little bit about the concept itself, uh, where you're located, that sort of thing. Yeah, we're um, we are uh, we're considered elevated breakfast. We're we're full service. Uh, we're very uh, uh, it's, it's daytime only, so we're open from seven to two. Uh, breakfast and lunch, but really we could just say it's a brunch concept. Um, you know, it's one of my favorite, even before I joined the company, one of my favorite things to do is to brunch. And so um, it's uh, really got a, we've got a really tremendous uh, high quality menu. We have full bars, so we have great handcrafted drinks. And uh, we have 75, uh, 74, on Monday we'll have our 75th location open. Mostly in the southeast, we're in 13 states, but mostly in the southeast, and uh, and we're rapidly growing. So tell me a little bit more about the menu, maybe some of the popular items, and or maybe your go-to items. So yeah, we've got a full array of, of breakfast and brunch items. You know, our most popular items are our shrimp and grits. Uh, the, the company was actually founded outside of New Orleans in Mandeville, Louisiana. So we've got a lot of seafood on our menu and obviously a lot of alcohol coming from New Orleans. So um, we've got shrimp and grits. We've got chicken and waffles. We've got great Benedicts. We have this uh, lobster and brie omelet, uh, a really great menu. Um, some of my favorites, I kind of have a sweet tooth. So I, I, I go with the cinnamon French toast um, or the blackberry stuffed uh uh, French toast or, or, or even some of our waffles, mixed berry waffles are some of my favorites. 
So who would you say is your competition and what sets you apart? So our competitors are you know, your typical daytime only cafes. Um, the largest in our space is First Watch. Um, and uh, uh, there's other ones that are similar size to us or slightly smaller. Um, and, uh, you know, some people will go with the, with the uh, family dining, like IHOP or a um, Denny's, but really because we have full bars and because we uh, are open to seven to two, you know, we're a little bit more specialized and, and certainly our food quality and price points a lot higher than those, uh, than those latter, latter ones. Um, but really what sets us apart from our main competitors like First Watch and so forth is really our full bar. We have full, uh, full bar. Uh, I mentioned the seafood and the, and, and, and the elevated menu. Um, we also um, we also are, are franchising today, and that's one of the main things. Um, we do have a, a good number of company-owned cafes, but uh, the majority of our growth moving forward is going to be through franchising, and so it creates a great opportunity for us to really bring in entrepreneurs to help us, you know, navigate uh, the challenges we faced and continue to grow their brand. So now. Where location-wise do you see the brand expanding? Right now, we're we're trying to grow concentrically. It just makes a lot of sense, obviously, from a brand awareness and supply chain standpoint. Uh, but really, I think we've got the opportunity to, to you know be nationwide as we continue to grow. We actually have one cafe in California today in Burbank. It's a it's kind of a legacy situation from years and years ago when it was a founder-led business. Um, we uh, otherwise our furthest west we go is in Texas. Uh, but we uh, we think we will have the capacity to you know be nationwide. We think the brand uh, obviously will resonate across the whole country. So one of the things as you grow, um, how do you maintain quality control um, as you expand? Yeah, you know it's it's always a challenge, especially for a growing brand. And 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 um, you know first I think it starts off with making sure you're bringing in the right partners. Uh, you know really bringing in the right quality, high quality franchise partners to come into the brand that that believe the same you know, that you believe is a, in terms of your culture and values. So, you know, high selection of franchisees, obviously having great training systems in place, making sure that it's easy to execute uh, our menu and, and our standards uh, and that we have good training to support that. Obviously, we support all of our cafes, both company and franchise with great uh, uh, systems in terms of uh, customer feedback, and in terms of monitoring through mystery shops and things of that nature, and obviously uh, support through our franchise business consultants in the field. And then I would also say uh, another, you know, main part of quality is a great supply chain. You know, making sure that you've got all the products to su to support no matter where you go, and having great infrastructure to uh, when a guest comes in, they experience the same great menu um, that they would anywhere across the the country. So, what is it? Do you feel that makes the brand franchisable? You know what's what's awesome about it, uh, besides all the numbers, and I think you know I definitely want to talk about some of the numbers. What's really awesome about the brand is the quality of life, uh, because we are open from seven to two, and you're basically looking at you know 49 hours a week of business. It can really provide great quality of life for the managers, the employees, and obviously the franchise owners. Um, you're not going to get a call at you know eight or nine or 12 at night. Uh, about an issue at the at the restaurant, um, we have alcohol. Obviously, you know I mentioned the full bars. You're not dealing with that component of alcohol at night, um, and some of the challenges that that can bring. Um, you know, really, it is it is it's a great uh, concept in terms of a high high check average and great financials. So we've got you know great average unit volume, 
a great uh, model in terms of our return on investment for the build out. And obviously, our you know one of the main objectives of us of our brand and 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 that a franchise prospects will look at is the unit level economics. So great great food costs and labor, and it, it uh, it's a very profitable concept. So those things, the quality of life, the unit level economics, and also the fact that we're growing but yet there are open territories to develop, um, all make it a really good combination uh, for prospects that are looking to get into. Uh, franchising and, and specifically the segment. So now what do you look for in a franchisee partner? And you talked a little bit about some of the support services that you offer, but maybe you could expand upon that. Sure. Yeah, we're looking for, you know, at this point of our, our brand's evolution, we're looking for experienced franchisees. Uh, we're looking for franchisees that have potentially already uh, operated other restaurant brands. Uh, they don't necessarily have to, but it would be ideal for us. So they have a sense of really what they're getting into and, and have the ability to scale quickly. We'd like, you know, at least to have them sign up for three units and be able to do that within a, you know, three to five year time frame. So they have the uh, experience and the wherewithal to continue to grow with us and develop develop out their markets in a, in a rather quick ma- manner. Uh, so those are the kind of things we're looking for. Uh, someone has obviously been an operator of another concept. We're a good complementary concept to most other brands. You know, if someone's got a burger brand or Mexican brand, um, you know, it's, our brand is very, very complementary uh, to it, which is nice. And uh, and the systems, you know, and processes we have in place, we've got great uh, everything from real estate selection to contract negotiation to obviously training and operations support. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've worked in, uh, many brands in my career, you know, I mentioned Taco Bell and I worked at Burger King, I worked at, at Sonic and then I was in fast casual at, uh, focus brands, I spent time with Moe's and McAllister's. And so I've seen what really successful brands need in terms of the systems that they have to support franchisees. And so, you know, we have those now in place and we're continuing to upgrade those as we, as we grow. Um, when you're looking at particular sites and locations, um, you know what what are you looking for? What square footage? What makes for a good location uh, for another broken egg? Um, and has the pandemic made any kind of changes to that? Yeah, great question. So yes, we we typically our our average uh, cafe today is around 3,500 square feet. Um, we we typically need about 150 seats in most places to get the full liquor license. So we're you know, we're a little bit uh, dependent on that square footage, but in some places it can include the patio and patios are a huge part of our brand. They're a huge part of brunch. And so we really look for opportunities to have patios, really high quality patios and nice experience. And, and obviously that's worked out well with the pandemic because people have felt more comfortable eating outside. So patios are a big part of our, our present and future. Um, we really look for, you know, neighborhoods uh, that have a little bit higher income because our price point's a little bit higher. And obviously brunch is, you know, is an experience. And so we typically uh, find that we do better in those type of areas that uh, have a little bit higher disposable income. And um, yeah, as, as we, we, as we've come through the pandemic, we'll talk a little bit about what we, what we've done. Our to-go business is a, is a bigger, much bigger part of our business than it had been before. And so we are, we're looking for things like dedicated spaces for curbside pickup, um, we even have uh, done some changes to our prototype and our layout to make it easier for us, for customers to come in and grab food, third-party delivery drivers to come in and, and get the food to go. Uh, so that, those have definitely been some changes in the last year. 
So you were talking a little bit about um, the food cost pricing and all. Um, so what's your average ticket price? Our average uh, ticket is just about $18. Uh, and that, you know, that's, uh, again, with, with our alcohol mix growing so rapidly, that is really what has driven that up quite a bit. And um, our food costs uh, right now are in the 25 to 26 range. We're actually updating our, our FDD and item 19 right now. So been a little bit more challenging to get some of the P&Ls from last year, as you can imagine, um, pulling all that together. But uh, we've got good, uh, good average ticket and, and, and really solid food costs um, that you know help make the unit level economics uh, so good for us. So let's talk about the pandemic. Now you had just come on board, and all of a sudden, you know everything collapses. But um, how was another broken egg kind of positioned? Um, to uh to pivot yeah you know i tell you barbara this was one of the you know more more challenging things i've ever you know faced in my career uh when i joined the company in november and i had come from fast casual uh, brands i uh, was asking the team okay well what do we do for takeout and for delivery and for third-party delivery who are we using and, and the team was like well we you know we really haven't done much there we haven't needed to we've, we've been growing the last five years positive traffic we really um are concerned that our food won't travel well and we don't want to you know get into those partnerships with those high commissions so we haven't done much and our to-go business was literally two percent of sales and that was basically just people calling in um and so uh, i was like great you know we don't have to worry about it and we're growing in other things then then fantastic but you know knew at some point we'd, we would have to tackle it as we kind of assessed our priorities for the next three to five years so obviously that changed dramatically in in march of last year we being um, when the dining rooms got shut down and 2% of our business being takeout, we obviously didn't have anything to fall back on. So we actually closed almost all the cafes in the system closed down. We, we kept four of our company stores open in, in Florida just to try some things, to test some things. And we quickly went into third party delivery with a couple uh, partners that I had had previous relationships with who we were quickly able to get going. We, we, we uh, started developing our own online ordering platform as well through one of the, you know, through Ola, one of the, one of the industry leaders, and again, through a relationship I had. And so fast forward then to September when we started having a reopening, um, our business, our to-go business had was was basically 100%, I know it had to be, of, of our business, but was growing uh, absolute dollars every week. And now, as we're on the other side of it, we're back open to full capacity, and most of our cafes, our to-go business is, is over 15% of sales. And what's really great is it's, pretty much all incremental. We're back to the same uh, in-store in numbers that we were doing in previously. Now the to-go business is incremental. So we're actually double-digit positive, same-store sales. When we look back at sales versus 2019, we're obviously not comparing them to 2020 because we were closed. So back to 2019, we're double-digit positive in sales. This, this to-go business is really proven to be incremental. Um, as I mentioned, we've had to change some things operationally, but uh, we found one, People want our food. They want it to go. They, uh, they, they were actually, you know, on weekends, most of our cafes were on a wait, a long wait, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. Now people uh, that, that wanted our amazing food don't have to wait. They can just get it to go. We're finding um, that people are very happy that we've added this component to our menu. So it's, it's really accelerated uh, what probably would have been a three to five year plan in terms of growing our to-go business. It's actually accelerated it and uh, it worked out to be a, a real blessing. So what was the process of figuring out how to do a to-go campaign and how to make sure that the food quality was there? 
Yeah, we, we did a lot of work with the team. You know, we actually had some really nice packaging. We had already, the brand had already invested some really high quality packaging, even though it wasn't doing, we weren't doing much to go business. Um, and so that was fortunate. We had that in place. We spent a lot of time with our chef and our operations services team, making sure uh, that uh, we had the right uh, organization of products and how we compartmentalize them to travel well. Uh, we added some some more uh, components to that over time, and uh, you know we just kind of closely monitored it. We did a lot of you know shopping and and, and uh, ordered products, had them delivered, you know, to different people's homes. We were all working from our homes. We were taking pictures. We were evaluating, making adjustments to really make sure it was a good experience. So we we had to you know do a lot of trial and error, but. It was interesting because a lot of the other priorities we thought we were going to work on last year, we just totally tabled and we very much focused on, on you know, getting the to go. It was the only part of our business open. So it uh, really galvanized the team around making this quick happen quickly. And uh, the team was nimble and, and got it done. Uh, so it really worked out. And what kind of response did you get from guests? You know, it's, it's been overwhelming, not only in terms of this, of, of the, you know, absolute sales dollars and, and sales percentage that it now represents, but also just from customers um, that were really, you know, just happy that we we're doing it. Um, a lot of support from our, from our customers that were encouraging us, you know, to reopen. So we had, like I said, we kept four stores open, then we started opening more and more of them as we, as we kind of solved the puzzle with to go. And, uh, you know, we got great support from our customers. Just, you know, there's been, a, I think, overall, overall, just a great support from people in, in general about the restaurant business and restaurant industry helping us, you know, get back open and back on our feet. So uh, it's been, a, you know, it's been a wonderful thing to see the support we've received from our customers. So what was the process of, you know, closing down restaurants to then going to where we're now in, you know, a recovery phase. Um, so what was, I guess, in the mindset, um, you know, to make those decisions? And, and at the time, you know, we didn't really know where things were going. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah we, we really had to make some, you know, educated guesses. We were trying to encourage our franchisees to stay open and try some things with us. We actually offered a uh, uh, royalty deferment and ad fund abatement. So we were trying to encourage them everything we could do to, to have them try to stay open and try some things. We had a few franchisees that did, which was great. And they, you know, they had ideas they wanted to try. We did meal kits, we did dinners, we did a toilet paper promotion. <laughs> we tried a bunch of crazy stuff. Um, we tried a limited menu for a while and we actually had to just because from a supply chain standpoint, you know, we, we, we tried a, a really decreased menu, which also helped with profitability. We'd have to prep as many items, have to throw, throw away ingredients if, if it didn't sell. Um, it was really a bunch of trial and error and, and a bunch of kind of, uh, you know, learning quickly and being adaptable uh, to what was working and what wasn't. And, um, like I said, I had a great core group of, of folks in the team that you know, was willing to try some things, had a, brain, a lot of ideation. Um, but we got through that, and then we ended up coming back and finding that a lot of our customers were saying, yeah, this is awesome, you're open, and the limited menu is nice, but I really want you know everything I used to have. So we started adding back products, and, now, uh, and then eventually, obviously, by like September of last year, we had back-to-full menus. Um, and, and, and it's interesting, the, the things that even today are selling to go uh, we don't see a huge difference in terms of the menu mix. The menu mix in cafe versus the menu mix to go, it's it's almost identical in terms of the things that sell. Um, so uh, 
we found a, a good way to make sure that all the things are traveling well uh, through the packaging and that people are, are continuing to enjoy those. Were you able to do cocktails to go? Yes, we were. In some in some uh, states and cities, they lifted those bans and, 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 and restrictions. And so uh, we have been doing, first it started off with kits where you had to like sell whole bottles of things. So we're doing like mimosa kits and Bloody Mary kits. So you could get, you know, a whole bottle of vodka and a, you know, a Bloody Mary, a bottle of Bloody Mary mix. And we'd sell the, we'd put the garnishes in there um, to make it, you know, more complete. And same with the mimosa kits. Now we're in some cities and uh, in some states, we've we've been able to do single serve to go. It just has to be you know in a container that's that's uh, uh, closed. And so we've uh, invested in some new packaging, and uh, you know it's all part of that alcohol part of our business really growing. It's it's really been uh, besides to go. It's been the next kind of shining star. Uh, you know, a few years ago, our our alcohol business was four or five percent of sales. It had grown, it has grown to over 12% of sales before the pandemic. And now um, we've seen that during the last year grow uh, by over 20% again. So, you know, it's, it's, it's now approaching 20% of our sales. We've actually done a lot of work into understanding where that's coming from. It's, it's quite interesting. Uh, again, our overall alcohol mix has grown about 20%. It's grown 40% Monday through Thursday. So we're seeing a lot more people during the week, maybe because they're a little bit more flexible with where they're working from, um, working from home, maybe going out for brunch. Uh, and and uh, our alcohol sales are up 40 percent Monday through Thursday. So uh, we're, we're really leaning into that. We're continuing to develop our, our menu, our alcohol menu and, and some great new cocktails coming out for us. Can you talk a little bit about any of that? Sure. Absolutely. So. You know, we've uh, traditionally had, well, we've always had a full bar, but we mostly just talk about mimosas and Bloody Marys. That's what most people think about for brunch. Um, but as we, you know, continue to see this part of our business grow, we've, we've really said, you know, let's let's really dive into getting more premium brands and getting more variety. And so uh, we, we're, we're really elevated. We're at a test right now in some of our cafes in Central Florida with a, what we're calling Raise the Bar. Uh, so it's a kind of internal uh, test name, and um, we've expanded the menu. We've added some great new cocktails. I get you know we've got some great great photos we've taken of them. But uh, one of my favorites is a blueberry margarita. Um, we've got uh, tons of, of great new products that we're rolling out and um, bringing us some real premium brands. So it uh, it we're, we've got high hopes for this. We're going to expand the test later this summer and, and hope to roll it out later this year system wide. So who is the another broken egg customer? You know, it's 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 really the person that enjoys um, connecting with people and, and, and indulging in great food and drink, um, that kind of that kind of mindset. But, you know, it's it's really someone that uh, and, and I think, you know, as people come back to restaurants and come come back into being social, it's really the person that that craves that connectivity, you know, with our friends and family and celebrating life. Um, Obviously, with our with our average check, um, we're you know a little bit higher income people in terms of the demographic, um, and uh, and that's you know part of the demographic makeup. But the psychographic makeup of our customer is really someone that enjoys being served. You know, we have high quality service, and we have great culinary, um, and they like to indulge in in, in food and, and beverage and 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 connecting with their friends. So one thing we didn't discuss is technology. Um, which has been, you know, kind of a, a savior for a lot of restaurants uh, during the pandemic. So how is technology integrated into the brand? 
Yeah, I agree. It's it's been a savior for a lot of brands. It definitely was a huge part of our um, uh, last year of our activities, and as well as you know what's worked for us in terms of reopening and 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 adapting. Um, and it will be moving forward. Uh, you know, we're a smaller brand, so uh, we haven't had a ton of investment in technology, um, but we are really changing that and uh, you know trying to be on the forefront of that again because it is more in line with our customer base, and and they're more you know technologically forward and, and 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 expectations about technology so you know everything from we tested pay at the table where before you know we, what basically happens is the server brings the check and then get you get your credit card and goes and takes it away and brings it back to you and uh you know with the sanitation concerns and and, and so forth we had you know we, we thought we should try this so basically now with the technology, we we have a QR code on the bottom of the receipt. So the server brings you the receipt. You scan the QR code. You it, it uh, brings up right up on your phone the ability to pay from your own phone. Um, that check. So uh, that's that's pretty cool technology that we've seen some some a good percentage of our customers appreciate. We think that'll grow over time. Um, really online order. We talked about through Olo. So that's technology and we're making sure that's integrated through our point of sale. So we don't have a ton of different tablets. Same with third-party delivery. Obviously, it's a it's a big part of making sure that all that technology integrates from an operational standpoint um, and from an accounting standpoint, so that everything is as smooth as possible. Um, we're looking at a um, different point of sale system. We've got kind of a legacy point of sale system, an older system that worked well for us for many many years, but now a more uh, cloud-based system that has more open API that allows us to bring in a multitude of different vendors that are you know new and bringing new services that we can do things more quickly so we're looking at a uh, we're actually in the midst of a test on a new point of sale system uh, so a lot of initiatives regarding technology that we're um, we're working on and, and, and even a big one with regard to our uh, reservation system you have the ability to, to get on a wait list before you you know drive to the cafe um, so you don't have to you know your wait time can be can be uh, decreased we have a new partner we're testing that um, integrates that with some of our marketing uh, efforts, either through email and loyalty. So we're testing a, a more comprehensive uh, partner with regard to technology of all those critical parts of our business. So looking forward to 2021 and beyond, um, you know, we're hearing a lot about the pent up demand and definitely brunch would be one of the day parts that um, people will be looking forward to, you know, sitting down and sharing a picture or two of mimosas with friends. Um, <laughs> yeah. So do you, is that something that you anticipate for the brand um, that there are going to be people coming out and it's going to be, uh, you know, a, a total recovery um, for, you know, for the brand and, and moving forward? And then, you know, what are your thoughts in general for um, the restaurant industry moving forward? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I think we we are already seeing it on our brand. We're already seeing it. We actually had uh, a couple weeks ago in the middle of of March, uh, right after the last round of stimulus checks came out. I guess um, we actually saw record sales. These are higher sales we've ever had um, in the history of you know at each cafe, um, and those maintained the last few weeks. So we we're actually experiencing. Um, a full recovery and, and then some right now. We and another kind of key measure to that, Barbara, is the fact that our franchisees, our existing franchisees, are now looking to develop more stores. So not only the new ones we brought in the last few years, but the existing ones that maybe didn't have any more development rights or didn't have any more, uh, didn't sign up for any future openings, 
in the last few weeks, several of them have, have looking at additional uh, for opportunities to open more stores. So we we definitely um, are one of the I think one of the first brands to really uh, in in the full service space. Not obviously QSR has been doing well, but full service brands I think were one of the first ones that uh, you know is is really fully recovered and then some. And I think to your point, it is because it's a daytime uh, concept and brunch is is one of those day parts. People feel more comfortable coming out. Um, and out with our patios and so forth and alcohol. It's all kind of a, a good combination of things. So I think 2021 is gonna be a huge year for us. We finished 2020 at uh, 71 cafes. We opened nine last year, but we closed six because these were cafes that were not you know, really doing that great. And, and then the pandemic just kind of pushed them over the edge. So we, we grew three last year on a net basis um, uh, to finish the year at 71. We have budgeted and planned to open 18 this year. So that's a huge, you know, growth percentage for us. It's going to be a huge year for us. We're seeing double digit same store sales and then double digit new store openings. So it's going to be an absolutely huge year for us. I'm thrilled, uh, you know, to, to be in this position and to help the brand grow and, and, and this beyond. We're attracting new franchisees. We just attracted one of the largest uh, tropical smoothie franchisees, just signed a three unit deal with us. So we're, we're getting a lot more, uh, uh, franchise interest as well to continue to, to add to the brand and grow it. So it's a very, very bright future for us. Um, and then to your second part of the question for the industry, I, I, I also think the industry will, um, will have a nice rebound this year. I think, um, you know, it'll be the more, uh, more uh, uh, advanced brands and the brands that have, you know, uh, that have the resources that have been able to invest in, in, in the technology, um, that will will fare better. I think some of the smaller mom and pop brands will obviously have had or had challenges. Uh, hopefully, with the PPP loan help, uh, they'll be able to fully recover as well. But I think in general, the restaurant business uh, second half of the year is going to be uh, really uh, really healthy. Thank you so much. This is great.